Well, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year, huh? Just around the corner. So this morning, I want to share about the way of God's love. And uh, to begin with, we have new beginnings, a new start. Uh, tomorrow begins a new day. It begins a new year. It begins a new hope that we have in God for the different things. Uh, Paul said that old things have passed away, all things become new. So we're looking at new. We're looking at refreshment. You know, these are uh, times where Scripture calls the seasons of refreshing. And so we're in here as a time. But you know, when, when uh, the Scripture, it tells us, take heed in the way that you build. You know, take heed in what you're going to build and how you're going to build it. So the foundation, if any of you are familiar with construction, you know that the foundation, if it's not laid right, the rest of the building could collapse. So you, we need to have a firm foundation, and that foundation is only found in Jesus Christ, as we know that there's no other foundation that can be laid, but which is laid is Christ Jesus. So he is our foundation. He is our strength. He is our hope. He is our shield. Well, I, I found something very interesting this last week. Susie and I were going through this rabbi, uh, Jason Sobel, Rabbi Sobel. He says, if you haven't heard of him, you need to look him up. He's a great guy great brother uh, and he begins in in, in his uh, book he talks about the first and the last letters of the Bible Beshep is the first letter or the first beginnings of in the Bible and the last one is amen so you have B the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and N none at the at the end and in between there are no vowels so it becomes Ben. I want you to see the picture here of the whole Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, amen, son. This whole context that begins from the beginning to the very end is about the son. So we're here to look at the son of God. We're looking to see what the son has brought for us. Oh, how great the love that God has for us, that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. We're different. You're different. I'm different. Father, we thank you that, Lord, that without you, Lord, we have nothing. Without you, we can do nothing. But praise God, you have given us the ability through the power of your spirit to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so we ask that you would strengthen us this morning in your word and the power of your word, Lord. So this morning, I'd like to share on the way of his salvation and the context coming from uh, 1 Corinthians 13. As Paul begins to share with us, but you look at the, the aspect of love, you know, the Bible is clear about different things. We, we know different verses that we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is, it isn't just an emotional love, it's agape love. It's a sacrificial, it's a selfless love. So as we come and we bear all things and believe all things and uh, we comfort one another. You comfort one another where you have been comforted with by the comforts of God. How have you been comforted? If it isn't the love of God, then it, all it is is the counsel of a Pharisee. We need, we need the Spirit of God to comfort our hearts, our brokenness, our times where we have come and we mourn. Now I need his comfort. You need his comfort. We all need his comfort this morning. So open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13, if you would, please. And our study is going to be on the, the, the way of his love. You know, we're going to be looking at 
the Corinthian church. And we look at the Corinthian church. You know of the Corinthian church that it was a church that was a troubled church. Uh, People were showing favoritism, and the favoritism was causing divisions in the body. And then there were those amongst them that they were allowing sexual immorality to, to be existing in the church, and that they didn't deal with it. And then there was the worldly courts. They were suing one another, and they were taking it, and they weren't settling it within the body. They were having problems there. And then finally, that they were misusing the gifts of the Spirit, which we find a lot today. And yet, at the same time, without the moving and the gifts of the Spirit, the church hurts. The purpose of the gifts of the Spirit are to edify and build up the saints. It isn't for individual glorification or to exalt one another. It's to be building up one another. So there was a problem going on in this fellowship. So Paul, as he's writing this letter to the Corinthians, it's a prescription. You go to the doctor, he gives you a prescription, and you go to the pharmacy, and you get the, the answer. You get the remedy. Well, he's the remedy. It was a prescription for the lovelessness in the church. See, love was the answer for their problems, their lovelessness, and it's the, pro- it's the answer for our problems and our lovelessness. Whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's favoritism, whether it's the gifts of the Spirit, or whether it's legalist things, love is the answer. So Paul, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I want you to notice how he says, though I speak, though I, though I, I have, I have, I have, I could. As he's going along here, I want you to notice this. He's saying that, that it's, it's conviction by association. Okay, I want you to hear that. It's conviction by association. He's pointing out himself, but by pointing out himself, he's pointing to all of us. Because he's talking to the church. This is a church. This is talking to a church. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith and so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Guilty by association that this conviction is taking place upon him. So basically what Paul is saying here, maybe you're able to, to give a great speech. Maybe you're able to uh, speak of spiritual things. You can talk of heavenly things. You can take people to, oh, it's a glorious, wonderful, oh, oh. But if you have not love, he says you're only like a clanging cymbal and a brass uh, distorted sound that's irritating. If love isn't there, if love isn't a part of it, you've missed the point. If God's love isn't backing up what's being said or taught, it's meaningless. It's out of time. It's out of tune. It's like that clanging cymbal. I need the love of God. I need the... Paul didn't come to persuasive words of wisdom, but the demonstration of the power of the Spirit, he says to the Corinthians. It's not about all that you can say, but it's about the move of the Spirit. The move of the Spirit should, could, should move you. It should cause you to hear us and hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and hear what God is saying. It should be like, like, like Zach was saying, from the throne of God to your heart. This is what the Word of God is intended to do. It is to be a spiritual avenue of the, of the, of the, of the javelin of God to come and pierce your heart, to break your heart. 
and to cause you to hear from the Spirit of God. That's why these words were spoken. I, I, I heard a comment the other day, and I loved it, so I wrote it down. It says, words without actions to back them up are meaningless. Words without actions to back them up are meaningless. I, I remember DC Talk. How many of you remember DC Talk? Yeah. You know, DC Talk had this, this saying. It says, love is a verb. Love is an action. There is actions. Love is everything. It's all of about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is made up of the love of God. The love of God is the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, now as you come to Christ, the kingdom of God is amongst you, is in you. When we have the kingdom of God, for law, as, as uh, uh, 1 John 4, 7, 21 says that, that, you know, in that whole portion that he's speaking in that context that God is love. In this love, in Romans 12, 10, he says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honoring given preference to one another. It's interesting, these different words about this affection, this love that God's speaking of. Kindly affectionate literally means, in the Greek, family tenderness. Family tenderness. You know, we have body ministry. We have body ministry and body caring and body. And we have tenderness, tender mercies. But this kindly affectionate literally means to be like a family. When you come home and you see the kids, they come running, Daddy. I remember my kids when I'd come home from work. They'd come in, Daddy, you know, and I'm, they got first priority. It doesn't matter. They come in, they're jumping all over you. That's kind, affectionate family style. So this is family style we're talking about. And that's what the body of Christ should be. We need that. I need that. I need that tender touch. You know, I'm a very emotional, tender person. And it doesn't take much for me <laughs> to begin to ball. You know, I'm a, I'm a ball baby. So <laughs> Susie and I will watch a tender movie. Next thing, she looks over at me and she goes, what, again? <laughs> I'm just I, just, I just break, I just break. But it's the kingdom of God. The love of God has been poured out upon us for that, that very purpose. So that we can sit back and be uh, someone who uh, takes the word of God and exposes the word of God. And yet, if it's not backed up with actions, it's meaningless. So Paul goes on and he says, you know, he's saying here, if you're not a doer of God's love, and that love there is agapeo, and agapeo, if you're a student, you know what it means. It means a selfless, sacrificial love. It means going out of your way for the care of someone else. I used to sail a lot, and I had a sailboat, and on the back of the boat, it, I named it agape. And it was really cool to be able to sail, sail around with that witness on the back of my boat. But it's a selfless, sacrificial love. And that love is backed up by actions. DC talk, love is a verb. So you're missing the point if there's nothing that's following up with it. So Paul gives a caution now as we go into this next verse of how we're to love and the motive of our love. He says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. 
Now, I'm going to give a little spoiler alert as we go on to these different portions of these scriptures because it won't say love in front of the verse, but it's in the context of this, of, of these verses that we're talking about, verse 3 and verse 4, because as you notice, every one of them, there's a comma. And a comma is a, it joins that thought with the next thought, next thought, next thought. So every time you see that, it always goes back to that first thought. Okay, so hang on. Here we go. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Remember, he's, he's saying this I as a, as a conviction by association. So in other words, you can have all that you have and that you can give it to the poor. You can even sacrifice yourself. But if it's done with the wrong motive, you miss the point. It's not about, it's not about gaining for yourself. It's about losing yourself. He who would find his life must lose it, Jesus said. You want to find life? I love the Hebrew, to life. I love that phrase. And that's exactly what God is saying, to us, to life. We miss the point if we get it about ourselves. We miss the point. If you act out of love to gain it for yourself, if you act out of love to gain attention, you miss the point. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Verse one through two, uh, verse one, he said, and two, he says, take heed to you that you do not do your charitable deeds, or in other words, your loving kindness before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed or show kindness, do not sound the trumpets before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. And that's a whole nother story. And the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. The purpose of doing charitable work or loving deeds of kindness isn't to be noticed by others. If you do, and if we do, check your hearts. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, and some of these are not up there on the on this on the screen but he says there that we're to examine ourselves to see if we're in the way look and see check it out are you what's the attitude of your heart what's the purpose of your heart what's the motive of your heart why are you doing what you're doing why are you giving why are you coming to church why are you sacrificing why are you serving why are you doing anything what's the motive of your heart and that's where the lord wants us to check our hearts that's why he says though i bestow all my 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 body to be burned, though I give up everything, though I am a sacrifice. If I do it for the wrong motive, then I've done it for the wrong reason and I've done the wrong thing. So Paul goes on to contrast the agape love here <coughs> and he compares it to what it, it's not. This is not the agape love. First of all, he says, this is what it is, but now he says, this is what it's not. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. He mentions 16 aspects of love here and what it consists of. You remember Jesus talking to Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. He says, feed my sheep. And you know the progression of that as he keeps going. And Jesus is asking, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter answers, Lord, you know I phileo you. It's less, I'm not, I love you like a brother. Do you agape me, Peter? Lord, you know I phileo you. 
He says it three times. And then finally at the end, he says, Jesus steps down. Peter, do you phileo me? Lord, you know all things. There's a place that where the Lord wants us to come and see agape in our hearts and in our lives. Agape love is a comparison here that suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself and is not puffed up. Sixteen aspects that he, that he mentions here. And first of all, love suffers long. The phrase suffers long is a compound of two Greek words, makros and thumos, makrothumos. And basically it speaks of enduring with something for a long time. While thumos speaks of pain and sacrifice. So you have these two words together and it's an enduring aspect of love in the presence of pain. Oh my goodness. Can you see Jesus there? Can you see him there? Can you see yourself there? And then there's a conjunction, that word and. And joins that with what was just said with kindness. So long-suffering is to be flavored with kindness. Sometimes that doesn't happen so much. In other words, in spite of pain and suffering that we may be enduring, we're still to be kind. We're still to be ministering to those, and even though they have mistreated us, we still are to be kind to them. That's hard. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. I mean, you're going through every gamut of life here. Enemies, those who, those who curse you, those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you. You ever had that happen? It's terrible. It hurts. It's painful. And persecute you. You know, you're close to the kingdom of God if you're, if you're in that group. And so secondly, he says, love's not envious because basically envy wants what somebody else has. Now, it's not covetousness. He's not talking about that. Envy has been called the green-eyed monster. The green-eyed monster. Jealous over what somebody else has. That's the green-eyed monster. And you know, when we, we, we come to the different dimensions of God's love we have to put ourselves up against in light of that and where do we where do we sit how do we sit in the context of these each verse below uh, we're going to look at how much first of all we fall short and how much we need God how much we need more of him in our lives more love more power more of him in our lives more love and so he says here, love, and I'm putting this, it's not in the, the, the scripture there, but in verse 5 and verse 6 and verse 7, it just says, does not behave rudely and so on. But I'm going to put, put it in there because it's still in the context of love, agape. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Agape love. It's never rude. When he says rude here, 
uh, it Greek, it means selfish, unbecoming, uh, deformed, indecent. In other words, it's interrupting or speaking harsh in a demeaning manner to someone with no concern for what you're saying. Oh, I'm just known for speaking my mind. You know, I think that's a big thing in the South, you know. Oh, I'm just known for speaking my mind. Well, sometimes, and they call themselves a believer. Wait a minute. If your heart isn't under the check of God and under the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you're speaking in the flesh. And you're, you're speaking words that are rude and hurtful. And that leads us to the next portion. Notice here, God's love isn't self-seeking. Notice how uh, if you take and replace the situation with agape love, it changes the whole perspective. Agape, if you're looking at him here, he's not rude. If agape is here, he's not seeking his own. If agape is here, he's not provoked. If agape is here, he doesn't think any evil. And basically, when it says seeks its own, uh, I think about Pastor Romaine. Uh, Pastor Romaine was a great guy back in Costa Mesa, and he wrote a little book called Second, and in it, there's an aspect of what he called laboring in the shade. In other words, laborings without seeking to be noticed. And that's really the humble place. Humble, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he'll lift you up in due time. Humble yourself. Work in the shade. Work in the background. I, if your desire is to serve, just wait it out. Let the Lord be the Lord. He's the one. And basically, this word provoke means to be irritated or to be aggravated with. Okay, well, that's different. So if love is on the throne, if agape is there, irritating and, and, and a, uh, an aggravating situation come up, you won't even notice it. You won't even be moved by it. And godly love thinks no evil. Okay, that's a hard one, isn't it? You know, that's a, that's a tough one. I'll tell you this, that Without the help and the power of the Holy Spirit, we're all in trouble. Without him helping us in these and through these, we're, we're guilty of every single one and falling short of every single one of these. I need, I need him to help me. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. My sinful nature is wanting to go, oh, man, you know, let me give you the right hand of fellowship. <laughs> you know? It says do whatever you do. Do it with all your might. So, anyway. No, without him, without the surrender of our heart to the Holy Spirit and to his, his guidance to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, without him, we're nothing. We've missed the point. So basically, that thinks no evil there. It's better translated in a new translation that's put like this. It's not suspicious. It's not suspicious of, of what's going on, who's doing that. You know, in the book of Numbers, there was a lot of suspicion and there was a lot of murmuring and there was a lot of complaining and it led to a downfall and basically in Numbers 16, Korah and his gang, uh, he, he was the first gang member Anyway, if you read the story, you know what happens. They thought they were all this and that. And God says, okay, if, the, if God is 
with us. Aaron and Moses are saying, let God do a new thing. Let him open up the earth and swallow you guys up. And about that time, the earth opened up and swallowed them and their camp and their families and all their goods and all their animals and everything. And God exalted himself in that day and showed that I am to be honored above all men. It's not about you. It's not about who you think you are. It's about me. John Corson, he, he, he said this, and I, lo- I lo- put it like this. Agape love doesn't think evil of people because it has absolute trust in the faithfulness of the Father. You know, it's hard, but you know what? Do you trust God? Do you believe him beyond belief? Now, any of you who have heard of Petra, do you know what I'm talking, be, the song Beyond Belief? Nobody? I stand alone. <laughs> Petra, beyond belief. We go beyond belief, and I believe in beyond belief. No, you may not trust people. You may not trust that person. But one thing, you can trust God. Even though we're unfaithful, he cannot deny himself. He will always be faithful. He is the truth and the way. No one comes to the Father but by him. And so here we have it all that you can trust God. And that leaves the open the door about others. It may come short. I can trust you, God. I may not trust them, but I can trust you. And so he says, love, and putting love in there again in verse 6, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Basically, in other words, love doesn't rejoice when sin has gained the upper hand in someone else's life. It It doesn't exalt in that. If anything, it rejoices when truth prevails and defeats sin. Wow, God, you're good. Your word is true. It rejoices in that. And so here in verse 7, Paul gives a a summary of agape in a nutshell. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Now, yours are going to say bear all things or do all things. But I'm adding, I'm putting that there because that's in the context of the comma. So giving you a a little bit of a a, a grammar lesson. (laughs) So anyway, believe all things covers verse 4. Or bearing all things covers verse 4. Believing all things covers verse 5. Hopes all things covers verse 6. And ultimately, love never fails. It endures. You know, it doesn't mean that we're to turn a blind eye to situations. Endures all things. Yeah, hopes all things. Yeah, okay, well, yeah. Oh, praise the Lord, yeah. No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye to the situation. We're aware of it. If anything, we're fully aware that what's going on and we choose to give the love of God reign over that situation and over our emotions. I choose to let you, God. I choose to trust you. I I choose to put you first. Because see, love sees more. It's willing to see less. Let me say that again. Because love sees more, it's willing to see less. I know it. I'm aware of it. I'm not stupid. But at the same time, I'm willing to trust God for what I don't see. It's the unseen thing that God does behind the scenes that makes the difference. So it doesn't take faults or failures into consideration. Instead, it chooses to see the light of the cross in every person. 
You look around this room and you see the light of the cross in here in every life. Without the cross, where would we be? We'd be on our way to hell. The cross is the difference. We're crossing on a horizontal plane in this life, but God sent his forth, his son, into this world to save sinners. Here we have the vertical axis. And in the middle at that cross is where we meet, and that that cross is Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We all know that verse. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God sent forth his son into the world to save the world, not to condemn the world. And that's where we, we stand. We stand in that, that of our hope of all things and endures all things. We choose that. We choose to see it in the light of the cross. I choose to see each one of you. And I hope you do me too in the light of the cross because I'm just a dirt bag. I'm a dirt bag saved by grace that I need the love of God to contain and to help me for the next step in my life and you too. Remember in John 8, 7, Jesus said he is without sin to cast the first stone. The woman's caught. She's gotten the very act. But what about the guy? He was there too, but he never no mention of him. Always picking on the ladies, you know. But he is without sin, cast the first stone. So seeing each other in the light of the cross changes everything. It changes the way we look and we see each other. So he says here in verse 8 and 9, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, whether they will fail, whether there are tongues, they will cease, whether there are knowledge, uh, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Notice everything else is going to fail. It's all going to fail. It's all going to burn. Prophecies, tongues, knowledge. Uh, Because see, it's in light of the kingdom. It's in light of coming. Is Jesus on his way? He's on his way. He's coming. You know, we, we, we always hear about the last days. Well, I'm going to tell you what. We're not in the last days anymore, folks. We're in the last minutes. There's just moments. Hopefully it would be really cool, wouldn't it be, that we hear a trumpet right now and a shout. <laughs> Don't finish that next word, Dan. Jesus is here, you know. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that relief. What has this world given you? I mean, it's given us some, some you know, nice things. There's good things, and there's, because of the good things, all good things come down from the Father of Light. So there are good things. But what has the world given you? I, I don't like what I have received from the world. You, you have a testimony. I have a testimony. My life was bound up in drugs, alcohol. Uh, parties, uh, surfing all over the world and everything. And yet I was going nowhere and I was going to die. And it came to the point after being so messed up that I uh, I was going to commit suicide. And I was surfing in this place in California called Cambria, just down the street from where we had invaded a log cabin that somebody had left open for the summer. So... (laughs) My brothers and I, we went in there, and I was surfing, and I just the waves were beautiful. It, it wasn't Mavericks, but it was beautiful, great. And I surfed, and I went, 
what's all this for? It's, what's, it's worth nothing. And so I got out of the water and I was thinking, okay, how am I, how am I gonna do this? I'm walking up this hill up to the cabin and I look in the, this garbage can and here's a black book. And I went, what's that? And I reach over and I grab it out of the garbage. It's a Bible. And as I got that, I opened up to Romans 5.8. You know, I don't s- suggest doing Bible studies like this, but this was a Bible study inspired by a move by the Holy Spirit. And this is that, that God demonstrated his love towards us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I broke. I broke. I went, oh my goodness. What do I have? I have nothing. My life was nothing. I was going to throw away my life. And I got, and I was, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I was raised in the Methodist church. I was an altar boy and everything. I heard about Jesus. I did all those, all those dutiful religious kind of things you do when you're a little kid. And yet I never had been introduced to the confession or to the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as my Savior until this moment. Nobody's there. Just me and God's word. And I went up to the the porch, sitting on the porch as I was sitting on the porch. I said, oh, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know what to do. Because I know something had happened. There was an ignition of the Holy Spirit that had been on me and was now in me. And he was speaking to me. And I go, I don't know what to do. Next thing I did is I turned over to John, and here's Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And the next words I read, you must be born again. Wow. And I read the whole discourse, and you know the story about how can a man go back in his mother's womb and all that. I needed to be born again. Tongues will cease. Knowledge will cease. I've come to the knowledge and the grace of God through that moment. The word of God spoke to me. And 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When he comes, what's going to happen? You'll be like him. You'll be like him. What was he like? What did he do after he rose from the grave? He ascended on high. Where did he go when he went there? He went to the right hand of the Father. So what's going on here? He is the captain of the universe. He is a captain of the Lord of hosts, of Savioth. He is the one who is in command. You want to go to the other side of the universe? Just say, hey, let's go. We shall be like him. Did he have to open a door when he came into a room? He walked in and there he was. Thomas, be not unbelieving, but be believing. Put your hand in my side and your finger into my nail prints. My Lord and my God, Thomas said. Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 31, 34. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a Pentecostal moment right there. Hallelujah. 
But see, currently we need these ministries within the church. See, prophecies reveal the heart of God to you. When the word of God is spoken and the heart of God is revealed through his word, it's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you have no need that any man should teach you. You have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who's leading and guide us into all truths. He's the one, when you open this up, that word begins to speak to you. You must be born again. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the one who's speaking to your heart. Tongues? Whoa, don't talk about tongues, Dan. You know what? Tongues are meant to be a buildup of an individual, not to self-exaltation within the church. That's the purpose of tongues. It's there to build up, and as you go before the Lord and you pray in the Spirit, there's an interaction between you and God. It doesn't matter. You know, I mean, there, there are times that it does take place, but you know what? It's been misused, and that's what the Corinthian church was going through. They were misusing the gifts, and they got them out of context for the purpose and the reason why they were there in the first place. And we know that, that um, knowledge is, is important. Without it, uh, we'd be in bad shape because knowledge, without knowledge, uh, we wouldn't understand that we're dirty, rotten sinners. <laughs> Without the word of God telling us that you fall short of the kingdom of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who does good. Well, wait a minute. I'm not. I had one that guy one time. I digress. <laughs> In Savannah. We were having a men's breakfast, you know, and I says, you know, we're all a bunch of dirtbags. He goes, I'm not a dirtbag. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, in light of what the word says, he goes, I'm not a dirtbag. And he got all, all up in my face about it. I go, well, you know, I'm just saying from in light of the word of God that all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's none who does good. No, not one. There's none who seek after God. No, not one. Well, who is that? Well, I'm not one of them. And I go, well, you're lying. <laughs> because the word of God says you are. So needless to say, he didn't stick around. Yeah. But we need these ministries right now. But you know, one day they're going to be gone. One day uh, we're going to be sitting there in the presence of God and there won't be any need for any of these gifts. There won't be any need for any of them. But here's a test for us. There's a test at each one of these and as you put yourself at the 16 characteristics of uh, the love of God. You know, put your name there. And you can go back and do that on your own. Put your name where it says love. Put your name in there. Dan suffers long. Nope. Sorry. Dan endures all things. Nope. I, I mess up. But you put Jesus in there, and man, it fits perfectly. And I know you've all heard this because it's been preached, I think, a thousand times. But it's It's true. But there's some, say, for instance, you think that you've arrived. You think that you've got it. Say there's somebody who's been harsh to you. And, and one day you find out, you know, that they wrecked their brand new car, you know. The way you react will reveal what was in your heart. Well, they finally got what they deserve. Well, if that happens, it's time to repent, isn't it? Instead of committing them to the favor and to the work of God you've taken, you've become a Pharisee. 
and you've entered in. Did you know that the Pharisees are alive and well in the church? Yeah. And we're to be on guard against that type of heart and that attitude. Ask God for forgiveness. David Hawking said, there's always a blessing in the sacrifices of the Lord. There's always a, sa- a blessing in the sacrifices of the Lord. You you come up, the way up is down. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. The way up is the way down. I was at a conference with a bunch of young guys up in Twin Peaks. This one guy, he talked to me about you know, serving and everything. And he says, how can I, what can I do? What can I, he said, you know what? The best way for you to serve is get under the carpet. What? I said, get under the carpet. Go do something that nobody else is doing. But don't do it so that you can be noticed. You know, there's, there's the, the parable of the rich man. You know, he had many riches. He wanted to follow Jesus, but he had to give them all up. And Jesus said, you know, give away everything. And he went away weeping because he was very wealthy. If we're not willing to let go, then we're not going to go. This world has nothing for me, has nothing for you. The only thing that this world has given us is Jesus. And thank God he came here willingly. He stepped down from heaven to come and give his life for your life. Remember the Hebrew words at the beginning, Bereshet, and the end, Nun, and in between, the two Hebrew letters make the word Son. The Son of God has come to reveal his heart and life and to give us it more abundantly. I need more of him. I need more of his love. I need more of his power in my life. I'm going to ask Zayden to come up and share a song with us, and then I'll close with a closing word. More love, more power, more of you in my life. More love, more power, more of you in my life. And I will worship you with all of my heart. And I will worship you with all of my mind. And I will worship you with all of my strength, for you are my Lord. You are my Lord, more love, more power, more of you in my life. More love, more power, more of you in my life. And I will worship you with all of my heart. And I will worship you with all of my mind. And I will worship you with all of my strength. 
The word proskuneo is worship, and it means to kneel and to kiss. So when we worship, it's not just a song. It, we're kneeling and we're kissing God in our hearts. I just want to say, if there's anyone here today that maybe you've been in church, maybe you've been here all your life, maybe you've been traditionally in churches, but God has tugged on your heart and said, you don't know me. You don't know me like I want to know you. And so the Lord brings an invitation. If you want to come and you say, yes, Jesus, I've been in church and yet I, I, I have heard of you. I was in Sunday school as a kid. I, I heard about him. I loved him. I, I got to confess, I loved the Lord. But I didn't know him. I want to know him in his death and his resurrection, Paul says you're here this morning and you want to say yes Lord Jesus if you would bow your heads with me and humbly bow before the Lord and say yes Lord if you would I would love to pray for you if you would just raise your hand and, I w and without I'm not here to call you out we're not here to embarrass you but we're here to give you an opportunity to say yes to the salvation of God today is the day of salvation now is the acceptable time if you're here and the Lord has said, you come with me. If you would raise your hand, I'd love to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Look at this, Lord. Look at this, Lord. Good. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that, Lord, that here they are. They're your kids. They're in your kingdom. And Lord, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, have you ever done the ironic benediction as Calvary Chapel does? No? If you want to, please stand with me and I will lead you in it. I don't want it to be a solo though, okay? The Lord bless thee.
and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. Let the shalom of God rule your heart and God in Christ Jesus. Praise God. And uh, just confess to one another, I love Jesus. I want to follow him and I'm waiting for his soon return. God bless you all this morning as you fellowship with one another. God bless you. God bless you. L'chaim.